very special day for Vancouver Football Club and the Canadian Premier League. The inaugural match at Willoughby Community Park with over 6,000 supporters expected to fill this brand new stadium. Salud thought about it, might think about it now. Salud, salud. Oh my word, Hello, everybody. Welcome to the CPL Newsroom, presented by Volkswagen. My name is Christian Jack. Week four in the Canadian Premier League is in the books, and what a week it was. A week that reignited the season with some incredible standout goals and saves on Friday and Saturday, in particular, before Vancouver Football Club welcomed over 6,000 into their new home as they played their first ever home match in the Canadian Premier League in a 1-1 draw against Cavalry on Sunday afternoon at the Langley Events center here's the results from the weekend on friday we kicked off at york line stadium where forge and a terran campbell goal one by one goal to nil it was scoreless in winnipeg as valor and halifax continued their unbeaten run to start the season uh a big game and a big moment uh no doubt about it we'll get into that at the nation's capital on saturday evening as atletico ottawa were blasted by four goals to one from pacific uh pacific arriving there having a decent start to the season particularly in the attack and, and then obviously were fantastic getting four goals there and it could have been more and in, on sunday vancouver football club one cavalry football club one for those counting yes that's a lot of one one so far seven so far out of 16 games in the cpl and remarkably still only one team to win at home we start our newsroom recap with sunday's game in langley and the birth of a new home in the canadian premier league let's bring in two of our correspondents charlie o'connor clark and alex Gangaruzic, who were both there to break this down for us on a special day for the league we'll get into the highlights shortly but before we do that i want to hear from both you guys alex let's start with you uh, a west coast guy uh how special was this for you what were your overall takeaways uh, as you put your head on the pillow last night thinking about that game yeah, I mean, it was it was a day that was uh, certainly a while in the making, and I think it ended up uh, delivering in terms of just the overall experience and, and atmosphere. I think it was something where you know, just when you heard that the the crowd was going to be sold out, that was obviously a huge plus. And I think you look at you know a lot of the deliverables. I mean, just the supporter section, seeing a, a packed you know grandstand of a thousand people, the tifo. Uh, you know, just people sitting in the beer garden, the sun peeking out by the end of the game, which was nice to to see everything about that in terms of deliverables. It, it looked fantastic and, uh, you know, was a, you know, good just day for the sport in the province. And there's been a lot of good good ones lately. You had in League One BC last year, you know, the the, the derbies that have been growing. I think it was just a, another chapter of that. And I think it was something that even beyond the football, you can look back and, and just see a good overall positive experience. And I think that's the impression I've got from those I talked to that, that had the chance to attend the game, maybe in the fa- in the stands or in other places of the pitch. Yeah, really positive environment. Again, uh, we'll get on the pitch in a second, but Charlie, you were there as well for us. What were your overall takings from the game? And uh, and as AGR said, just a special moment for the entire region. Yeah, yeah, it really was. It, it honestly kind of blew me away. Obviously, we, we go into a game like that not knowing what to expect, right? It's a completely new stadium a new community for the canadian premier league and i obviously i'm not from that community so i don't I, I don't pretend to be super familiar with it but it blew me away the uh the people in there that how engaged they were with the game um there were a lot of i think i, I counted like something like 20 different local club jerseys uh in, in the crowd of just as so many kind of kind of kids and families that were there of, of kids that are now seeing a professional club kind of on on their doorstep um, for this, this sort of these communities that are near Langley. Um, it was an incredible atmosphere and, and people just seemed really, really excited to to see what this team is and see what it's all about and, and see what they can do. And obviously on the pitch, they uh, they retreated to a team that, that was pretty 
pretty intent on fighting for that community, as, as I'm sure we'll get into. So it was uh, a, a really positive and, and just a, a special day all around. Yeah, special day. For those watching on YouTube, let's roll the highlights. Charlie, overall, what number out of 10 would you give it then as a unusual opening question for these shows uh, in terms of its compelling factor and why? It certainly had a lot of a lot of storylines. Yeah, it, it certainly did. I'll go I'll go with an eight, maybe maybe even an eight and a half. I think that's the highest score I've given this year. But um, yeah, it, it had a, a lot going on, obviously, as, as you see in the highlights there, if you're watching on YouTube, the red card in the first half, which we'll get into more, but it obviously changed the game. It changed the narrative a lot. But the second half was was fascinating. It was fascinating to see a team come out of halftime at home in their home opener concede immediately in you know a way that they're probably not pretty not very happy with it it does kind of just come off a a weird deflection in the box and it's it's a, a good finish by Kentav but um to see Vancouver find a way back into the game with with Sean Hundle's role here uh, to see them just really really fight for it after going down and not kind of fold after that which you know if you're down to 10 men and, and you've conceded right after halftime a lot of teams would just kind of in there um and and it's uh it, it you know wouldn't necessarily be surprising in, in a lot of those cases but for vancouver to come back into it they had chances after that as well as did cavalry obviously so the second half was was an incredibly entertaining piece of football because both teams clearly very much wanted that second goal um and and vancouver had some pretty entertaining counterattack chances um, so there was there was a lot of, of storylines. There's a lot going on. Obviously, the atmosphere helped. It was quite uh, an occasion. It had that feel to it as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Alex, over to you on this one. Next question for you is: We obviously didn't know how it would go out, play out. We're going to get into Rocco Romeo's red card shortly, but uh, in many ways, and nobody wants this, but did it feel like a bit of a galvanizing moment already, where fans and the club got together when they most needed it to come back? Like football happens all around the world when you go down and you you've got you know suddenly the whole football world in your own mind thinks that you're against you, and then suddenly you found a way. Was that pretty, uh, I guess, a, a good thing that came out of a negative? Yeah, well, I mean, it was also kind of jokingly, it was it was a very fitting Vancouver sporting experience. I joked to someone when they got the red card. I'm like, and the fans are already booing the refs. Like, this is just like universal Vancouver. How many Canucks games, Whitecaps games, Lions games, you name two. They always love to, to boo the refs. There's always the refs are against us. So it was, maybe it was a bit of an introduction to, to the cruel sporting world. But certainly it seemed to galvanize everyone. I mean, the fans were, were up for it. Um, you know, we, we saw the, the players, the, what, what it meant for them, the way they, you know, seem to respond. And I think that's a, you know, it's a credit to the group in particular. I think that's the, the, the big thing that impressed me was that, you know, they would have had every excuse to maybe fold a little, to sit back, to, to be angry, but you know, they just stepped up, they went after it. They didn't change the way they play. They didn't go, okay, let's play five, three, one, and just pray for something. No, let's keep a four, two, three, screw it. Let's, you know, let's let's not go off the back on our back foot. Let's go to the front foot. And I think just the attitude, the resilience, I think the fans picked up on that. They saw that their team, you know, was fighting and, and they're like, OK, let's let's fight with them. And I think that was a good way to go about it, you know, in a home opener, because they had every excuse to sit back and, and just let the game, you know, play out. And at the end, it could be oh, that red card really changed everything. They're like, no, let's let's go after it. And you have to respect that. Yeah, they did. It's again, they've been more than I think anybody had thought, you know, advertised, right? Vancouver competitively on the field, finding different ways to get in games, very difficult to break down. Um, we're going to get into some of the individual performances in a minute, but it was indeed a special day, a day that they did not lose. And here are their thoughts of their head coach, Ashton Gottbeat, after this one. Well, I think firstly, it's important to really thank all the, the people that have been involved for a long time to build the stadium. And to have the, the vision, the bravery, and, the, and the, in my opinion, the uh, persistency to build this, this club. Um, I, I was really uh, excited and bubbled with all kinds of enthusiasm. And I even got teary in the locker room before the game because I felt uh, when you try to build something from ground up and you're a pioneer, it's so difficult because everything is against you. And, uh, and I saw this project from November 2. And then when I arrived here in, in, uh, in December, and I saw there was no stadium, no training ground, we didn't have anything, no players, and how, how much work, sweat, blood, and, 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 and passion has gone behind this project, 
uh, has really touched me. And then when you come to a stadium and it's sold out, and you see so many wonderful faces and people from all over the, the region have come to really celebrate the game and, and unite the football community and soccer community in this, in this area in British Columbia. Uh, I'm, I'm humbled as a, as a foreigner especially. Uh, and I'm really proud of my team because I felt that uh, things didn't go our way and uh, basically almost 60 plus minutes they played a man down and uh, they showed very well and I'm proud of their spirit and I'm proud of how they fought uh, all the way to the last kick. So there's nothing more I can ask but be proud of everyone involved. Uh, even the construction workers that were working uh, 20 plus, 24 hours a day to make sure every seat is placed properly. So um, uh, this project is bigger than any of us and bigger than even the game. As usual, Ashton Gottby finds the right words at the right moment to explain exactly how it went down. All right, Charlie, time for your list of your greats. We'll keep it pretty concise, but there was some standout performers. Who did you like? Yeah, I think we obviously have to start with Ibrahim Bakare, who just... I, what, what more can you say about this character? We'll, we'll obviously hear from him in a second as well, but he won 16 duels, hit four successful dribbles as a guy who, who started the game at right back. And then after the red card, he has to go into center back, which is actually his natural position, to be fair. Um, but he's one of those players that just loves to defend. He loves to get stuck into those those battles and to do that. Um, he's got that, that physicality and he just throws anything he can in front of the ball to stop it from going towards his goal. I think he had like eight clearances in this game as well. Just the way that he really, really just was kind of the the heart and soul of this team in that defensive effort in the last, especially the last 10 minutes of this game where Cavalry were kind of pressing down on them. Obviously a, a 10 man team gets pretty tired towards the end of a game and were maybe, maybe struggling a little bit. They were suffering a little bit, but Ibrahim was obviously uh, right there in the middle, like pretty much stopping everything from getting into the dangerous areas in their box. And it was his birthday too. He's I, th I think 21 now. 21. 21 yeah. which is just where were you when you were 21 i mean he got to play he got to have a man of the match performance in a, in a whole game <laughs> i certainly wasn't doing that um yeah it's, it's just incredible uh for for him and he's going to be you know a, a player to watch for the rest of the season in vancouver and just quickly uh we have to shout out callum irving as well mm. you know the club uh he on and off the pitch he really lives and breathes this this football club now um he had two unbelievable saves in stoppage time including the um the one diving one that i was uh standing at the other end and i was pretty confident it had gone in the net <laughs> but he found a way to keep it out but even off the pitch just the way that i saw him interacting with the community after the game um you know that he gave his goalkeeping gloves away almost immediately and he was like i don't have anything else to give to like the other 50 fans that came up and asked him for photos and um, so just just a, a, he he truly is a, a special guy who represents this club so well. Yeah, class act. AGR thirty seconds or less. You got anybody else you want to add to that list? Um, I think pretty much uh, you have to give a shout to Tariq Tahid off the bench, sixteen year old record setter in terms of uh, you know just the youngest ever player to sign, now the youngest player to make a debut. Not many sixteen year olds come into an environment like that in his hometown, in front of his friends and family, and he he killed it. He he was very af after it, up for it, uh, you know, very composed as well after the game. It, you know, get got thrusted with media duty on his debut. Poor kid. So overall, you have to give uh, his his plaudits for all that. Love that. The other one I would throw in is Gail Sandoval for me. We did not get in the team of the week again, and there's a reason why, because Pacific just were unreal. But they, but this guy is starting to become an enormous difference maker. You can see his movement and obviously the, the touch that led to the goal. He's done that regularly now. He's getting fitter. He's going further in the games. Um, so yeah, just watch out. If they can keep him fit, he's winning games for Vancouver Football Club. But we mentioned uh, the performer of the match, the man of the match, Ibrahim Bakri. Not only a fantastic defender, but also a fantastic young man. We want to play the post-match interview with Adam Jenkins and Jordan Wilson after we just get a little glimpse uh, into what is a wonderful personality. Bakari joining us now. Ibrahim, congratulations. I know you guys would have dreamt of a victory, but talk us through the fight from you and your teammates after going down a man and putting on a show for the very first time here in Langley. I know, man. It was big. Honestly, it was big. This was massive for us, man. We thought that we, uh, we went down early and there's an uphill battle from, from then on, but we saw, we looked around the stadium and we filled the stadium and we can't, we can't just afford when things go wrong. We can't just afford when things go wrong to, to, to curl up and let, and let us go down. 
Every single one of these fans pay for their ticket. The staff done so much. The teams work so hard. So we can't afford. We can't afford to just go down when things don't go our way. But yeah, from them we're just more motivated. Everyone gave an 110 percent, and we're more than happy to, to to just fight the battle. You know, it's unlucky we didn't win, but we had the draw, and that's that's more than anything. Especially with 10 men against a good Calvary side. So we just looked around, and we had our 11th man on the field, our 12th man on the field, all the staff, all the fans, and it just meant a lot for us. You know, this is, this is what football's about. When things don't go right, it's just giving that 110 percent and making sure we do. Okay, Bakary, I have to I have to just talk about your passion, uh, which I, I deeply appreciate. But you yelling, let's go before the game's even over. Uh, <laughs> just so, so much passion filled, filled this team. How do you feel that you started the match at right back and you had to play center back um, towards the end? Um... Um, to be fair, I thought like I had a good start right back, and I thought that we, were, me and Gabby, were getting up well and just going forward well. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm naturally a centre back, but I have no problem playing right back. The gaffer believes in me, and he's kind of worked with me over the few weeks playing right back. And he knows that I can go forward, he knows that I can attack, and he knows that I can also defend. So for me, it was a swift transition. You know, I don't think Rocco deserved to come off, but we just had to deal with it. And me slotting him back at centre back, I, I felt it was natural, it was normal for me. So it's good that I'm able to play those both positions and do them as as, as best as I can. You know, and just do it for the team. What I've seen from you so far, Bakary, in the first four games is that, yeah, you're young and you're new to the league, but you seem like a leader. Is this something that you're taking on your shoulders, a role? I know there's Rocco Romeo in the back, but do you look at yourself as a leader for the squad? Yeah, no, 100 percent, 100 percent. We've got a young team. We've got a young team, so there's no chance for anyone to kind of just show their age. We've all got to step up and, and kind of take responsibility and behave like a man, you know? Because there's so many people around us, there's so many people with expectations and, 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 and people doubting us, so we can't afford to just, you know, say that, oh, we're a young team, we're an expansion team, we're doubtful, no, everyone rules us out. We can't afford to do that. So me as a passionate player, you know, I'll, I'll give everything for this team, for this Baz, this Vancouver, for Rob, for all the staff members, for everyone that's tried for us. That's the least we can do, you know? And just when you see the younger players, I'm a young player myself, but when you see the younger players that like me and Tyler on the pitch, you can't afford to kind of just show your age because teams will suss that out. Teams will smell that you're young and that you're scared of the game. So we can't afford to do that. So the more I can step up and help the team, the better everyone feels. So, yeah, and I, I look at myself like a leader, but there's also... We've got 11 leaders on that field, just as you can see when we had those players on the pitch. Well, Ibrahim, I could talk to you all day, but I want to go let you enjoy these celebrations. And hey, mate, happy birthday. No, I appreciate it. Oh, thank you ever so much. I really appreciate that. You know, thank you for taking your time to talk to me. I really appreciate you guys watching and the kind words. All the best, Ibrahim. We'll see you again soon. He is our Gatorade. Yeah, as Alan in the chat said, is watching live such a raw, pure interview. And and let me just say that I tweeted this last night. You know, I had the pleasure of talking to every CPL player. Um, um, I'm, and, and just because I'm older than Charlie and Alex, I've also had more fortune of interviewing a lot of players in my time. They will interview way more than I will, and they're going to have a, a, a marvelous career. But I'm bringing it for reference because there's nothing better for me than just talking to authentic, genuine people. And that's what we have in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why sometimes players don't become themselves. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that the media is without blame in that. And sometimes people become hesitant for that and fame and fortune and money. Uh, but sometimes it's just nice to hear people just be themselves. Uh, and Ibrahim Bakri was exactly that. Uh, all right, gentlemen, uh, we have to talk about this red card. Uh, so, Alex, Charlie, you were in the stadium for this. I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, I'm going to give you my take first. Um, let's let's play it for those watching it because for me i think the the, the referee's positioning is really crucial uh now what do we think he sees now it's clear that when romeo goes for the ball he goes through him and bevan's head touches what is romeo's shoulder uh, i think the referee believes that he's led with his elbow because his elbow is up but we upon replay it is clear that rocco romeo's elbow does not collide with with maya, Be maya bevan's head uh, so I think that takes away any kind of excess excessive force or, or even intent to hurt the player. Uh, not that that is obviously part of what the decision-making goes in with the referee. Um, but I, I think the biggest point in all of this is that we have to change our minds a little bit and thinking we're watching games without VAR, right? Yeah. So if a referee is refereeing a game with VAR, he knows he's always got that one person sitting upstairs or sitting wherever they're sitting. I like to think of them as being top of row Z and only coming in for the howlers, but they will come in and for that. And first, before we play it again, do you guys agree that if there was VAR on this decision, they would have told him to look at it and change it, Alex? 
Um, I think it's something where you look back at, at what we saw. I think there was certainly a chance just because I think I understand the referee's perspective on the field. Cause I always think that's important to consider. He sees someone go down with a head injury, you know, elbow to the head. You don't want that sort of contact in the game, but you do look at something where you consider the other factors. Rock Romeo isn't a short guy. It's something where just naturally he's keeping his elbows close to himself and he, you know, he's, he might catch some players, uh, you know, especially Bevan leaned in a bit to the header uh, and, and reached his elbow. So I think if you consider things such as Romeo's height, the way that it, they went in for normal 50, 50, he just kind of got the better of it. I think there were certainly some factors where, uh, you know, I think you look that maybe it's at most a, a yellow card, you know, caution when you consider the, those two things. Right. Charlie, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think VAR would, would definitely have him take a look at it. I think for me, the thing here that most frustrating is how, you know, we saw in the replay that the play happens, the tackle happens, the referee runs up and shows the red card immediately. Yeah. When uh, I, I understand maybe from where the referee is, the angle and the way that, that Rocco's arm kind of comes up after the contact. Maybe it, at, at full speed, you, you initially think that he'd led with that elbow. He didn't, but I can understand maybe from that the referee's angle. But the assistant referee is closer and on the other side of that, right? And if, if you think that that might be the case, that, that that might have been what happened in a game like this, in, in any game really, you have to understand, especially in the first match, making that call is going to change this game. And I think you need to maybe take a second, talk to that assistant referee, see what they saw. And then if you still believe that, sure, you can make that call. But it frustrates me how quickly that was made because, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, 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 it was definitely not initially thought had happened, right? this is the point I've got exactly the same. This is the concern I have with all of this. Okay. If they still felt that this was excessive force, I would like them to come together and talk about it. Right. So the moment that the, from the moment the whistle was blown to the moment, the red card came out was three and a half seconds. Exactly. Okay. Three and a half seconds, right? Three and a half seconds to change a game where if you play it again, you'll see where the referee is and you see where the assistant referee is. And the the assistant referee may well have verbally cued to say that's a red card. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But we'd like to know that. But when you play it again and we, and we, and we see the clip, if you're watching on, on thing, for me, it's very important that the, they come together and make that decision. First of all, officials are also told to take care of the welfare of the injured player first before making a decision. And, and I think that should have been the first point of contact right away. But in, an, in a world where VAR is not happening, it is the onus of, for the protection of the game for officials to come together and make sure they get the right decision. Now, if he goes and talks to the, to, to the assistant and then still gives the red card, for me, that is clear. You ne- then okay, there's nothing to nothing to argue about. I just have an issue with the three and a half seconds. For me, yeah. is that you know take the time to go speak to your official, uh, and 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 then I think that in the world of v- without VAR is important. Then there's clarity. Then players, coaches, media members, fans, we can all say they took the time to make the decision, and then they come up with a big decision. It's it's. It's, it's no different than what we're seeing right now in the world of rugby and, and a lot of people come together. I want you to come together and if you're going to make a, a change of a decision as, as big as that, I want you to talk to people to see it. It's particularly when an official is very close to it and you're, and, and you're a lot further away. Is that fair, Alex? Yeah, I think it's fair, certainly, especially when you don't have VAR to take the time to make decisions. I think that's, you know, something that, that that's crucial. Um, you can, you know, because there's a good point in the chat, you can bring up the whole clear and obvious, you know, example, but say with the clear and obvious here, when the decision's made so quickly, uh, you know, then, then of course the, the, the clear and obvious is going to err to the side of, of the red card because, you know, it feels like the, you know, Bevan going down for the injury maybe is what prompted the, you know, the quick red card. You see the player grabbing his head, you, you go in after it. Um, so yeah, I do think anytime you're, you're, you know, to, you, you, uh, for any sort of decision of this magnitude, you certainly want to, you know, take your time and make sure it is the right decision. Cause yeah, it felt like in a snap moment when I saw it, I was like, that was a yellow. And the fact that before I'd even had the chance to process that a red card was out, it's kind of like, okay, geez. So, you know, that was very quick. That happens rapidly. Yeah. I think for me, the assistant referee has got a great view and he needs to be talked to. 
uh, and maybe he verbally communicated to it. And I know the referee has got to referee the game and he is the man or the woman in charge of that game and they are the boss and it's their decision. I get it. But nobody can tell me that three and a half seconds is the right amount of time to get to, to, to make a decision in the magnitude of a professional sporting environment with any decision. It, 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 you are you're clearly making a decision that makes an enormous change to a match. And I would like you to talk to the, the assistant referee. That, that, that I think that is very fair. Um, last point on this game, and we've got to move on. We've, we've been on, on this game a lot, is Cavalry. Um, this has not been a great start for them, uh, Charlie. Uh, what did you think about seeing them yet live? Um, they dominated the game in terms of possession, even before it was a 10 on 11. But again, they don't win. What were your thoughts seeing them? Yeah, I think this is a very, very frustrating one. And they seemed quite frustrated not win this game. Um, you know, obviously Vancouver are the, the main story in this game, but, you know, for Cavalry to have so much of the ball, I think it was like 70% possession by, by the end of it, uh, and to not score more than one goal, um, is, is incredibly frustrating. Now that said, if, you know, if, if Callum Irving doesn't make one of those, uh, incredible saves in stoppage time, then maybe we're speaking quite differently about Cavalry this morning, but, uh, there's definitely still that 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 maybe inefficiency because they still got that 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 you know dynamic play on the wings with Kentav and Musi. Uh, Meyer Bevan is great at, at stretching a defense out, but they just maybe aren't finding that that final little connection uh, for some reason. And I think they they have to be quite frustrated that they're not turning draws into wins. You know, they're yeah. just scoring first a lot. Uh, they're scoring, but they're not seeing games out. That, particularly how close the table is right like it's yeah. just if they win one of those games suddenly they're further up right exactly. that, 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 that's key let's go back to Langley and hear from their goal scorer Cavalry FC's Mickey Kentap in terms of game I think we did what we what we worked on and what we needed to do it was just uh the final execution put the ball in the back of the net I think we had enough chances that were created we just couldn't uh, put the second win in which is something that we've been also struggling but um we look to keep uh keep working on that move forward and uh the positive is that we still haven't lost the season. Uh, we know what direction we need to go, and uh, we're so confident that we're, we're going to be a good team this this year and, and top. So. Still confident, and you can see why. I mean, it's still very difficult to break down. It's still got game changes and players to come back. Significant injuries on that team as well. AGR, we thank you for your time, my friend. Uh, great to see that you were there. Uh, you should be there. And uh, we'll speak to you again again next week. Thanks for your time. And of course, you can read AGR's analysis on the game at campiel.ca. We're keeping Charlie around because Charlie and I, on Friday, were at York Lions Stadium as York United took on Forge. That's right. Charlie was east and then west. Let's get into this one, Charlie, as we play the highlights for those watching live on YouTube. Overall, what number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor and why? Um, you know, if I, if I give Van, if I give Vancouver and Calvary an eight and a half, I think I'll have to go with like a six here. Um, but that's not to say it was a, a bad game. It was, it was compelling in terms of storylines and, and what happened in it. Obviously it's a very strange one where, where Moba Bully gets hurt in warm up and he comes out of the lineup for York, um, you know, Forge. Did it, it was in in some ways similar to their win at Pacific the week before, where they score in the first half and then they're able to just kind of smother their opponent in the second half and and see the win out for one nil, um, and, and York you know, really really throwing the kitchen sink at the at the goal in the second half, but uh, that that final ball just not really falling for them at, as it kind of hasn't all year so far. Yeah, it was a struggle for York, no doubt about it. And again, Martin Nash, the si- almost singing from the same hymn sheet again after the game, just taking yeah. a you know the 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 attitude of we're just getting the chances, we're just not putting them away. And you can see why. You know, we were both there. They did enough, I think, to stay in the game. Tristan Henry was marvelous. Two fantastic saves. Uh, one in the first half um, from a, a dynamic save from a header from Ozzy Di Rosario, and a second one in the second half was almost as good uh, as well from Kevin Dos Santos. Ashton Morgan would later receive the first red card of the season not only the you know we just went over the red card to Rocco Romeo but Ashton Morgan got a red card later in the game it was a feisty one as well uh time for the list of greats Charlie uh who stood out above the rest here for you uh yeah obviously you you mentioned Tristan Henry and he had a lot to do in this game especially in the second half some great saves and he commanded his box quite well as he you know usually does um I singled out Tristan Borges after the game Uh, I think he had like four shots and created five chances 
it a lot, but I think for me, what he did best in this game was he broke up the transition a lot. You know, Bobby Smirnyo just had him playing in midfield for this game, kind of in just inside on the right in this sort of four one four one sort of sort of structure. Uh, and he he won possession eight times. Mm, he he is not thought of as he's not generally a, a, a player you think of this as this kind of defensive presence. But he was winning the ball. He was cutting off passing lanes. He was engaged in in cutting off the transition and stopping York from moving the ball forward quickly. So I was very impressed by his role in this game. And then just uh, the other one quickly is Maliko Walabi Belu, who's playing out of position for the second time this year at left back. Uh, and he was quite good. He was able to advance the ball. He won 10 duels in this game, which is a lot as well, because York did try and try and play down that side quite a, quite a bit. Um, and he obviously has, has that skill set of a natural center back, but he's also got a little bit of the of the pace and the comfort on the ball to advance it forward and to to play with Wubens Pasias right in front of him on that left wing in this game. So that was a bit of a good interchange. Yeah, it is back-to-back 1-0 wins for Forge. That's the first time they've done that in any games back-to-back since 2019. Their best start to a CPL season. Yes, that's right. The three-time champs in four seasons. This is their best start to a season. So we'll see what that means of them. Uh, it was also a different look again. Afterwards, I had the chance to catch up with their head coach. Here's myself and Bobby Smiriotis. With Forge boss Bobby Smirniotis after a pretty heated 1-0 victory, but it is a victory, Bobby. What are your thoughts on your team's performance? Yeah, I thought for a good 60, 65 minutes, I think we were very good in control of the game and so on. And, uh, you know, then for some reason, the game starts becoming a little bit uh, different out there, a little random, not the, the type of football that we like. But at the same time, in those moments, we've created a lot of opportunities too that we can uh, in the open field. And, uh, yeah. I talk about it every week. You got to be more clinical in these games. You know, we do a lot of good things on the pitch, uh, but the second goal is uh, very important in games like this. It's been a big week for you. Obviously, getting the new deal, two wins as well, which is even more important as well as manager of the month. Big week also for Taron Campbell. You played through the middle today and got the goal. What did you like from his performance? Yeah, first and foremost, we have uh, we have a lot of options up front. And uh, in these first five games of the season, I've said it before, we like to make sure that we're rotating guys, moving guys around. And he's done a great job holding up the ball and just being in the right spots. You know, him along with the other guys, uh, they're lethal in front of the goal. And he showed that today on that on that goal. You know, he's got that one chance there. But uh, beyond that, he's been excellent on the ball for us uh, in using that uh, central axis that was uh, wide open a lot of times for balls to come through. You mentioned it earlier, when you win games, you usually score more than one, but you do get back-to-back 1-0 wins. I think that's the first time since 2019, by the way, that you've done that. And part of the reason was because of your goalkeeper tonight, Tristan Henry, two big saves, but one in particular in the first half. What have you seen from Tristan so far, and what did you like about his game tonight? Absolutely excellent. You talked about it. You know, before we score a goal, he's made a, a massive save. You know, you don't see those uh, saves too often in, in football. And he's a guy that uh, doesn't get uh, enough love sometimes. You know, he's, uh, he's been our rock from year one. You know, you know, on the team sheet when he's there, uh, he's going to give us everything. And uh, there's a reason why he has the most wins, most shutouts, and uh, a few trophies in his cabinet. Last one for you, Bobby. I know you had two eyes firmly on this tonight here on Friday night, but Becker, Ajabra, Porsche, Soko, amongst the many on the bench, obviously now one eye and turn, turns to two eyes to Tuesday night, an enormous quarterfinal against Atletico Ottawa. What you're looking forward to in the Cancham? Yeah, exactly. You know, those are three guys, uh, Schwanier and uh, and Jordan Hamilton, the two guys that were outside of the 18 today just for precautionary reasons. Mm. Um, they're ready to go. You know, you got to look at these games and uh, take it one step at a time. You know what you need today. You know what you need on Tuesday. And uh, it's an important game for us. It's somewhere where we've been in the, in the final before and we want to get there again. And of course, you can watch those games live on One Soccer. Bobby, as ever, congrats on the win. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, big win for them. Let's get into that game then Tuesday night. Canadian Championship, Charlie, against Atletico Ottawa, who we're going to get into with Mitchell shortly, who um, maybe not an exaggeration to say are in a little bit of a shambles right now, uh, but we know are very different away from home. We know Forge won't take them lightly despite the performance. But from a Forge point of view, just how big of an opportunity is this to play at home, try and get another taste of MLS action in the semifinals, and particularly the way they're playing? What are you looking into for this one from a Forge point of view? Yeah, it's very exciting. I think Forge look at that bracket and they feel like they can win this trophy, right? That, that's basically it. They want to win trophies and this is a, a massive one for them. They want to crack at either Montreal or Toronto, whoever wins on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, they, they'll probably see an Ottawa side coming in that's fairly vulnerable at the minute and they love playing at home. Obviously, Forge have played very well against Ottawa uh, last year and they, they definitely, you know, have have that glint in their eye. They want this game very badly and they desperately need to get to the to that final for them.
Yeah, okay. On the other side of the bracket, York United remain and York United played last year in the semi-finals at BC Place against the 2022 Canadian champions themselves, Vancouver Whitecaps, who this time come east and get to play York United. Uh, before we have a quick word on that game, which is a big game at York Line Stadium on Wednesday, that's right, 24 hours after the Tim Hortons field match, uh, let's go back to uh, York Line Stadium and hear from Martin Nash on another clash for him against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah, I think it's a massive game uh, for our guys. Uh, it's it's an opportunity to play against a you know a quality club. Uh, you know, it's always fun to play against MLS teams. It's the team I keep <laughs> running into in this competition as a coach. But uh, I think this is the fourth fourth time now. So, uh, but yeah, I think it, it's a great opportunity for our players to show what they they can do against uh, an MLS side. So um, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's great to have them at our place and. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, be able to put on a show for our fans. A show for the fans. Plenty to be put on a show for the neutrals. It's not often we get CPL versus MLS. And when we do, we celebrate. We look forward to it. If you're in the GTA, a reminder, you can still get tickets. And they're reasonably priced. YorkUnitedFC.ca. Um, YorkUnitedFC.ca. Go get your tickets. Uh, and I think, for those who care, Carlsberg beers, are, I think they're like five bucks or something. So uh, you just, yeah. just, uh, just go get that. And you don't even need to worry about some Game 4 happening in Florida because it no longer matters. Uh, sorry about that, Charlie. Uh, anyway, uh, as Charlie continues continues to forget what's going on on the ice. Let's go back to York Line Stadium and let's hear from Elijah Adekubi ahead of this game. I think in any job, you always want to test yourself against the best opposition and, and Wednesday is the same. Um, I've played them a couple times and it still feels like there's still that hunger to go out and do something to keep proving yourself time and time again. And I think there's a belief in this group that why not, why not upset them, you know what I mean? So for me, it's, just, it's a case of you just always want to be involved against the best opposition in the biggest matches, the biggest showpieces. We're, we're in entertainment sports, right? And the biggest stages are the best entertainment. So it's excitement, but it's also like job ahead, let's go to work. Some good words there. Test, hunger, excitement, belief. Uh, throw them all in the mixing ball. It's going to be fantastic. No, Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And obviously, Elijah knows uh, what it takes specifically to beat the Whitecaps, having been a big part of that cavalry team in 2019. Uh, York are, are very, very hungry for this game. Um, it sounds like, I mean, I, I not obviously not 100%, it sounds like Mobabuli might be okay to go in that game. It was maybe a little bit precautionary to take him out on, on Friday night of that lineup. Um, so hopefully, York is able to put their best foot foot forward at home uh and it, it should be a a really exciting one as it always is when these mls teams have to come into a cpl stadium yeah it should be great charlie will be there in the meantime safe travels home from vancouver we'll see you wednesday night at york line stadium as usual can read charlie's stuff on campl.ca as well a reminder the cpl predictor is back this season brought to you by our friends at tony bet campl.ca backslash predictor where you choose the correct scores and you could win up to twenty thousand dollars tickets to games it's all there on the site Next, we move on to Winnipeg in a game that was not an easy watch, to be honest, as Valor Football Club took on Halifax Wanderers. Both these teams came in unbeaten, and they ended unbeaten, and it remained that way after a tense nil-nil affair that lacked quite a little bit of quality in the final third. Pacific Niangabire, as usual, was a bit of a star on that right-hand side. Kean Williams was also very good on the left-hand side. What we're seeing from Valor this season is that they continue to play very well in midfield. Diego Gutierrez was excellent in midfield. And it was disappointing from Valor's point of view that I don't think they could take the lead early in the game. They dominated much of the first half. But what we know about this Halifax Wanderers team is they can also play. They keep the ball down. Andre Rampas had had a fantastic opportunity to make it 1-0 right before halftime. In the end, wasn't able to score, and Ray and Yesley got a deserved clean sheet in that one. Not a lot of goal-scoring opportunities in the game. A chance, I think, for rotation a little bit in the second half, but a lot of it really came down to set plays. Halifax would have a good free kick later in the game that had a great opportunity for them as well. But in the end, two teams that were probably not overly happily, happy with a tie, uh, but uh, as I said earlier, it does maintain their unbeaten start. Valor now up to six points. They'll be very happy with that through four games. Halifax, much like Cavalry, by the way, four draws in four games so far. So a stalemate in the end at IG Field, and it ended nil-nil. For more, let's go back there. Here's some gaffer reaction. Let's start with Valor first, and their manager, here's Philip Dos Santos. Criteria, decision-making, using teammates better, 
not trying to do everything alone. Uh, look, not only in the final third, right? I don't. I think our spells of possession were very short. Probably the shortest we've had this year. Um, so yeah, it's look. Again, I. I want to keep pushing the guys. I don't want this to be a group where uh, we're happy with, we, we came out of it, we're undefeated for CPL uh, league games. I want to keep pushing the group and, you know, if we're not, when we have a day we don't meet our, our potential, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge the guys and, you know, we hold each other accountable and that's the only way the team's gonna grow. We have two, two very difficult games ahead of us now. Yeah, they're the thoughts of Philip de Santos. And here is Halifax boss, Patrice Kaiser. I thought we started the game a little bit uh, out of rhythm, but we did create three very good chances with Wesley on a breakaway. And, and Zach had one inside the 18, and Rampy had one that the keeper saved. But they had their chances. I really thought in the second half we adjusted and found some more rhythm. I know when I was just looking at the numbers, we outchanced them, we outshot them, and outpossessed them. So those are all great things. Um, I'm really proud of the guys that we got a clean sheet. I thought there were some really outstanding performances. And for me, the biggest thing, Alex, is um, we started March 1st. We have 15 new players. We're undefeated, and we're getting better every week. And yes, I know we don't have a win, but we're also outpossessed most teams that we played. So we're, it's a step in the right direction. There also talking to our very own Alex Ganguruzic. We continue here on the newsroom presented by Volkswagen and a standout performance from Pacific FC in the nation's capital is now next on our menu. For that, we bring in Mitchell Tierney, who often gets the standout games, which we love. And Mitch, it doesn't get much better than watching a team in free-flowing action the way we watched Pacific on Saturday night. They were marvelous. Uh, overall, what did that help you contribute to finding your number out of 10 in terms of giving this one a compelling factor and why? Yeah, I'll go nine out of 10. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, I went back and forth on this because obviously it was very one-sided, but um, it was the most dominant performance we've seen to date this season from a CPL side and probably in quite a while. I mean, certainly the best ha first half we've seen in, you know, ages as they absolutely took it to Pacific from basically the opening whistle, two goals inside the first 10 minutes. Um, and, you know, one of the best goals we've seen so far in in the league this season and you know the last two matches that pacific have played against ottawa um you know in, in the playoffs last year they had a plethora of chances but haven't been able to weren't able to convert them it's kind of been the story of their season so far prior to this match so in a lot of ways this must have just been an incredibly cathartic experience for them and um as for Atletico Ottawa, you know, each week we have more questions about them and, and less answers. So I'm sure we'll get into them in a bit. But, you know, this was uh, this was certainly a, a statement performance from Pacific, as you said. Yeah, statement performance and the birth of a star in the league. And Ayman Salouf, who obviously scored one of the goals of the season that many people saw on social media. If you've not checked that out, please do. Could have had an Olympico in the second half. And we did. It's just tapping in a corner as well to make it 4-1, which I think... Uh, for the neutral was probably a goal that put a lot of our smiles on our faces because they deserve to win the game by at least three. Uh, they could have been up 5-0 at halftime. Mm -hmm. Gennaro Daniels missed an absolute sitter, another glorious opportunity from Sean Young's head as well. Uh, so, Mitchell, what statement is more accurate? Pacific were brilliant or Atletico Ottawa were awful? Um, I'll go with Pacific were brilliant. I think that um, they were able to break down Ottawa in so many different ways. I mean, you look at the, the different goals. The first one, um, hard work rate to, to win the ball. The second one, good combination play, you know, an individual effort of, you know, incredible standard on the third goal. They score a set piece goal on the fourth goal. Like you said, they could have had others. Um, no, Ottawa weren't great, but I, I don't want to take too much credit away from Pacific here. And one thing James Merriman said after the match was he encouraged his players to have fun in the final third. And I think we saw that they had all kinds of fun with, you know, little skills and flicks and, and just the way they were playing together. So, um, I, I want to give Pacific as, as much credit as, as, you know, they, they deserve because this was an outstanding performance regardless of, of who was in front of them.
thought you might go there. One of the many reasons we love having you on is that you always lean on the positivity, Mitch. That's what that, that's fine for us. Uh, talking of positives and negatives, a tale of two sides. Let's hear from the gaffers. Let's start with James Merriman, the winner. The first winner, by the way, in CPL history of a game ending 4-1 away from home. That went to Pacific and James Merriman. We, we executed everything that we've been speaking about the last week. Um, we felt very confident in our performances the last few matches, but obviously we weren't taking care of the detail in the final third. And, and also maybe a little bit tight and not playing with freedom in uh, going to goals. So I think we saw that. We wanted to start right. We haven't started right at the last couple of matches. We started very well on the front foot, took those first two chances. So um, it's really, really positive, uh, especially start and first half for us. Um, really happy for the guys, especially the forwards, to get goals. Um, which they were feeling a little bit of pressure, and uh, it's going to be big for us to to build from. Side of Pacific FC. What about the other side? Here's Carlos Gonzalez. I'm very disappointed of of the first half we did and uh, of the the individual mistakes and the the, the stupid mistakes that, that that we start doing. We cannot uh, afford to start in a game in the first ten minutes losing two 0 Very easy. We put them the the, the game so easy you know uh so yeah after that you are chasing the game for 90 minutes so it's very difficult very difficult to to try to win a game in which you 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 concede and you give gifts stupid gifts because because i don't think that even okay they they press well but but we knew that they were going to do that we knew what we had to do and and as i say if if we continue giving gifts it's it's very difficult to to grab three, three points and to and to grab at the end of the day good feelings ask you about your greats in a minute Mitch but let's talk about Ottawa first stupid gifts is what uh, Carlos Gonzalez called them um is it just simple that like individual moments and individual errors is just uh, a glaring issue right now for this team or is it something that that's becoming even more alarming what are your thoughts on this team that you I know you've watched very closely this season well, I think more concerning than anything were the individuals who gave those gifts because they were the guys who usually, and in those past matches, even when things weren't going great, these were the most reliable players. I mean, look at Miguel Acosta getting his pocket picked in a moment early in the match where it came after Gennaro Daniels had already taken the ball off them. You know, you get that ball back, you smash that into Rosette. And, um, you know, you don't allow Manny Aparizzo to pick it up again and, and go in behind you. You see Espejo, you know, he loses his man on the second goal. On the third goal, he gets turned by Salouf. Um, when Salouf fakes a shot from, you know, whatever distance he was at when he initially goes with that, that's not a usual thing you'd see from a defender like Diego Espejo. So, you know, that's obviously concerning. They had 2.1 expected goals they conceded through the first three matches. They conceded 2.69 in this match alone. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of comparisons made post-match to that 6-1 against Valor um, mm. a couple of years ago as kind of a, an isolated match. And in some ways, this was isolated because this was far and away the worst defensive effort we'd seen from them, as, as the numbers I said indicated. But they had four po- or six points, rather, going into that match uh, a year ago. They have two points in, in the bank right now. Like, there, there is much more concern at, at this point in the season for them. And I think the biggest one, you know, is the fact that they just keep giving up those early goals. Like like Carlos said, those stupid gifts that is just takes away from the way they want to play. They want to, um, you know, be able to to play defensively and, and you know, they, they have to open up if, if they're allowing those early goals. And not only that, the other team doesn't have to open up at all because there's no reason to. They already have the lead, so there's no spaces in behind. So. Yeah, there's just so much to to be concerned about for this Ottawa team right now. Yeah, their midfield isn't working anywhere near as effectively in possession either. Uh, all right, time for the list of greats. Uh, who is on top of the list here for you, Mitch? Uh, pretty much anyone that, that wore a Pacific shirt, but um, specifically, I think it has to be Ayman Salouf, who, like you said, a, a star is born performance from him. And we got a little taste, the 20th minute. You know, he dribbles through, I think, five Ottawa players, and it's like, oh, boy, this guy. They just, they just chopped him down, didn't they? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that happened a few times in this game where, you know, once they figured out, oh, boy, it, we have to stop this guy by any means. Um, but then, obviously, he, you know, he scores that goal. He leads the league right now with 5.44 uh, successful dribbles per match, which is an absurd rate, um, you know, 
he sets up another goal um, with, again, Didich converts that at a 0.97 expected goal. So that shows how much it was in the net by the time Didich gets a, a touch on it. Uh, Sean Young probably should have scored off um, another cross he has in. He nutmegs um, Acosta on the second goal. I mean, this was an all-round incredible performance. And one thing I wanted to mention about him Pacific play on such a small stadium at Starlight Stadium. So that dribbling ability is going to come in huge for them this season in, in the tight spaces. Um, but he wasn't alone. Manny Aparicio, you know, he shows six minutes in just why he's such an important player for their energy, winning the ball back there on and setting up the goal. Gennaro Daniels led the press perfectly. Um, his pressing basically plays a role in all three of, of yeah. the opening goals. And uh, he, he assists on the second one. And like you said, should have had a goal of his own, but uh, that was the only downside of a, a great performance. You know, Didich great at the back, gets his goal. Um, and yeah, I, I, like I said, the list could go on, but we'll we'll stop it there because, uh, you know, those were the guys who are maybe head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, no doubt. No, you know, no, uh, I think six team, uh, six players in the team of the week this week, uh, which is a record, I think, uh, beating Vancouver Football Cups five uh, from a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, as for Pacific, they return home where they played a lot of football already. Mitchell, they have a huge game. Uh, TSS Rovers in the Canadian Championship. Uh, it feels like it's opening up for them to host another big semifinal, uh, but you never want to look too far ahead. That's certainly the message from James Merrin. Is that certainly what you expect from them now is to make sure they don't have this letdown uh, in, in what is a game most people expect them to win? Yeah, I think so. And I think for Pacific, um, with a couple of the guys they'll have in that locker room, you know, Josh Hurd, those guys who were there in uh, 2021 when they beat the Whitecaps, when they were in a similar situation to where the Rovers are now coming in with all that motivation to, to show what they can do against a, a higher level side. I think that th th those guys will be so critical to settle everyone down and be like, listen, we can't take these guys lightly because we we've been there. We know what they're feeling. We know that they want to come in here and they have absolutely nothing to lose. So I think that that's a, a point in their favor. And um, yeah, I think that that's really what's critical right now is just turn over quickly, get onto the next one, you know, put that match behind you and, and try and you know, repeat that performance as much as possible. Yeah, it feels nice, though. It's another historic game out on the West Coast in BC mm -hmm. after what we just seen on the weekend. Again, we get a little bit, you know, TSS at their moment against Valor. Now they get their moment against Pacific as well. That's what football culture is about. That's what, the, you know, we should, we, we, we're striving to, cre to create here uh, with soccer in this in this country. And uh, it's 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 great. It's Cup Week again, um, and you can watch all these games as usual live on One Soccer. Uh, Mitch, we appreciate you as, as ever. Uh, enjoy the games this week, and we'll chat next week. Sounds good. Sounds good as well. Thank you. Uh, this week, as I said, Canadian Championship is back on Tuesday. Two games kicking off at 7 o'clock Eastern, both live on One Soccer. Toronto FC take on CF Montreal. On that side of the bracket, the winner of that will take on Atletico Ottawa at Forge. Uh, that game is being played at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, they're both on Tuesday at 7 o'clock live on One Soccer. And on Wednesday at York Lions Stadium, York United hosts Vancouver Whitecaps in a quarterfinal clash. The winner of that will then go and play at Pacific or TSS Rovers. What a game that will be as well. You can watch both those games, a live doubleheader on Wednesday evening. You know, the story of TSS Rovers is quite remarkable. We alluded to it before. They beat Valor in the preliminary round, and their story is going to be, uh, again, put on campio.ca this week by our own Benedict Rose, who did a great job of this. Um, it's a story that is really, I think, unique, because right now, not many people expected them to get where they are. Uh, club, obviously, well-owned by the people as well. And also, again, a first, you know, for ability to win a game out of the League One system to beat a team in the CPL. That's going to happen a lot if this culture and this sport continues for many years, and we certainly hope that it will be. But TSS Rovers will always be the first one. Recently, we got to chance with uh, a chat with their head coach, Will Cromack, who is a great personality, and here's what he has to say about the club as they get set for another big game and a big test against CPL opposition. I said they're insane. I mean, my man, like, we've, you know, three years ago, we didn't have youth teams in in proper leagues um we've been around we we we, we want to be included uh, we have been included uh we decided to spend our own money to drive buses with young kids up and down the coast um it wasn't a, it's fun it was great it was developmental it was all the things that should be and could be it's fantastic competition 
Um, but it wasn't localized and it wasn't, we're going to play the guys across the bridge tomorrow and whatnot. So there was no sort of fanfare around developing our own. Um, so, you know, it's kind of insane. I mean, we, we, we literally went to the pub and I, I, it's real. We went to a tragically hip concert as a bunch of old guys and decided that we were going to build a soccer club and hoped one day we'd be able to compete in the Voyagers cup. And we did it like, and I don't know how, and I don't know why it all came through, but I'm real thankful it did. And I'm, I'm, I'm particularly proud of the guys that um, were sitting having that beer and, and stuck with it because it takes a long time to build something and you take a lot of hits um, emotionally, physically, uh, financially. And um, yeah, we did it, man. You did it, Will. You did it, Will. No doubt about it. And that is a story. That is a remarkable story um, within the sport. And if you're listening to this right now or watching this live, you know you love the sport. Um, and it may get lost. You know, it may not get the Twitter likes and the anonymous sources talking about it and the headline stories and a lot of noise that's going around Canada soccer right now. Uh, but this is sport. This is what it's all about. You know, the ability for Will and his buddies to go to a bar and pub and, and a concert and dream and create something. Uh, and within three or four years, see it come to fruition and playing in the Canadian Championship and winning. Um, that is that is that is special. That is what we've been dreaming about creating in this country for a very long time. And let's hope more and more people continue to see that and report on that. Um, it's also special for players. You know, there's a lot of players in the CPL that are excited about the Canadian Championship. And not every player gets sustained in the CPL. That is just the way that the world is. That's the way the football world is. The pyramids, you know, you go up and you go down. One of those players is Matteo Polisi, who's playing in the CPL and was playing for Pacific when they won the title in 2021 and, of course, last year. He is now on TSS Rovers. He was the hero against Vala, and he still believes he can play at the CPL. This gives him another opportunity to test himself at that level. Yeah, that will be special. Obviously, it will be my first time uh, returning to Starlight Stadium. Um, you know, I used to have those fans cheer for me, but, you know, now I'm going to be in the opposition. Uh, it'll be special, obviously, for me personally, playing my old team. You know, I think, um, yeah, it'll be special. Obviously, things didn't work out the way I wanted to, but, you know, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity, you know, I had with Pacific for two years. And, you know, obviously, I think I have something to prove over there. And, you know, I just want to go out there and, you know, have a good game and, and uh win honestly i think we have uh we have belief that we can win we know we're the underdogs obviously and you know we're, we're not favorites but i mean we've we've done it once why can't we keep doing it why not indeed that's the story of tss rovers uh 10 30 eastern 7 30 local uh go out there and support those teams in a big quarterfinal clash out there on the west coast the fourth of four quarterfinals this week taking place on tuesday and wednesday in the Canadian Championship. And for more on that remarkable story, check out Benedict Rhodes' wonderful account of TSS Rovers on campiel.ca. Let's take a look at the CPL standings as we close the book on the show and week four in the Canadian Premier League. Forge at the top and Pacific second. A game, obviously, a, a, a league where a lot of games are drawn. Not a lot of three points being taken, but Valor remain unbeaten in third. Vancouver Football Club continue to shine and impress in fourth. Cavalry at the moment just in fifth on with Halifax right behind them as the battle for the top five and the playoff spots will continue all season long. York United uh, with three win with three points, one win and three losses are seventh and Atletico Ottawa remain rooted to the bottom through four games. Let's take a look at next week's schedule in the Canadian Premier League. A reminder that these games are all live on One Soccer, of course. And of course, it's kickoff at Tim Hortons Field uh, for uh, 4.30, uh, on four o'clock local, sorry, on Saturday the 13th as Hamilton Ford take on Winnipeg's own Valor. That's right, on Saturday, doubleheader continues out into the into Calgary as Calvary take on Halifax Wanderers in that game. And then a tripleheader continues on Saturday. Vancouver Football Club gets to host another game at uh, Willoughby Park and Langley Event Centre as Atletico Ottawa come to town in what will be a big clash there. And then on Sunday, we end with a game on the West Coast as Pacific go home again and take on York United. It will be a fantastic week, no doubt about it. And it is always quite special when the CPL takes on Major League Soccer. It's happened quite a lot, and the CPL have won. A lot of those games, I think, quite in fact, quite a lot of those games have been ended by one goal or less as well. 
You can catch that live on One Soccer or buy your tickets now for York Lions Stadium on Wednesday when York United take on Vancouver Whitecaps. Enjoy the week.